What's your instant reaction? Do you want to lean in towards them? No, you want to lean away from them, right? <laughs> and so the key to this scripture is God definitely doesn't start uh, reaching out to us that way. He, when, he, when he wants to reach out to us, he wants you to know that his first whole focus around you is the love that he has for you. He doesn't look at you and make this judgment around how imperfect you are. He leans in towards you because he absolutely adores you. And he says to you, I don't want you to worry about changing yourself. I want you to first know how much I absolutely love you. That I would die for you, that I did die for you, that I sent my only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him will have everlasting life. And so there's this simple principle of how do you lean when it comes to relating to the Father heart of God? How do you posture yourself? How do you position yourself towards the reality of God? God says, lean into me because I'm leaning in towards you. And so this powerful scripture, we'll look at this next one in Romans 5.8. Sorry, we'll go back to that first slide, that second scripture on the, the next the slide before. Go back to that slide, thank you. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone say, while we were still sinners. And let's underline the word still. Everyone say still. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means... That again, it's reiterating that God says, my love towards you is not based on your perfection. It's not based on the condition of your heart. It's based on the condition of my heart, says God. Come on. When you are still imperfect, when you are still broken, when you are still full of issues, God loves us no matter where we're at. And uh, it's funny, I, Julie's probably going to laugh at this, but I forgot my glasses today. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, someone needs to pray for my eyesight right now because I'm struggling to read this, all right? So pray for me right now. I don't know why I forgot my glasses. <laughs> yeah, actually, can I have yours? <laughs> we might, someone pray for my eyesight right now, okay? Well, we'll get some glasses. Oh no, that, do I have to wear those? <laughs> Is that why you're... Gl- they were Julie's sunglasses. It's all right. It's all right. Just pray for me. I'll believe. I'll believe. Supernatural power. Amen. Okay. Come on, God. Give me the supernatural power to see. All right. Um, so he loved us and loved us first. Oh, amen. Let's thank Greg and Julie. Do they suit me? And you thought this wasn't going to be entertaining. <laughs> Do they look good or bad? Who cares what I look like, right? Let's get into the word. This is good. Hey, Julie, I can see clearly her. All right, let's go for it. He loved us and loved us first. So he didn't wait for us to meet his expectations. He didn't wait for us to make him proud. Think about this. He didn't wait until we measured up to his standard. He loved us first, complete, constant, unconditional love towards us before us actually having to do anything in terms of our own condition. How powerful is that? Let's have a look at this next scripture. In Romans 8, 38 to 39, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. It says here, nothing. Nothing can separate us. Now, at times... Who knows that our mind will start to doubt this? Who knows that that particular choice or that particular thought or that particular action or that particular decision that we make will try to convince us that that has enough power in it, that wrong choice, decision, thought, behavior, action, that has enough power in it to separate us from the love of God, that God would lean away from us because we haven't measured up. But God says, there is something far more powerful than any of those things that enables me, enables God to lean forward, and that is the blood of Jesus. 
Because Jesus has paid the ultimate price, it doesn't matter what you do or say, God will continue to love you. Now, we take responsibility where we have to respond to that love because watch this. When we know this, when we know that God continues to lean forward towards us, even when we're not perfect, that means that we have to take responsibility. We have to respond to him leaning forward and we have to lean back forward towards him. That's actually called repentance where we've actually made a decision that's turned away from God, and God says to turn back towards Him. But watch this. The power of repentance comes from the revelation that God is always still leaning towards us, even when we've made a mistake. So when we make a mistake, God's standing here. I'm going to get Greg to to be God for a second. What a good example. Good choice. So this is the Father God, right? And I'm a man of God relating to the Father. And let's say I decide to turn away from God in a thought, in an action, in a deed, in a decision, right? Because we know that sin separates man from God. So I turn away, but guess what? God is still leaning towards me. He's not leaning back. He's not stepping away. He's not saying, oh, this Bradford. So he's still leaning towards me. So watch this. When I'm in a place where I'm away from God, if I have the revelation that God still loves me, that God's still leaning in towards me, that means that that gives me the power, the grace of God, come on now, gives me the power. It gives me the ability to respond and say, because of God's grace, I can now repent. I can turn back because God's not leaning away from me. God is still leaning towards me and he will lovingly embrace me even in all of my imperfection. Come on. Get out, all right? Cool. Right that I mean, right there, it just illustrates the reality of God's love. And when I think about when I think about uh, my little Zara, four turning five in December, and I think about just from an earthly dad's perspective, when she uh, when she doesn't obey, which can happen sometimes, right? And you repeatedly ask her to do something, and she's not listening, and she doesn't obey, and she's pushed the boundaries. And there's a part of me that thinks, but you know what? Never in that moment have I stopped loving her. Even in her naughtiness, even in her disobedience, I still absolutely love her. Even when she's in time out, Right? And she's thumping the floor with her foot, expressing her distaste for timeout. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I just love her. Sometimes it's not always expressed so fondly, but you get the gist. I'm always going to be loving her, right? And that's just an earthly father. How much more powerful and true is our heavenly father's response to when we're naughty, to when we're not obedient? Come on now. When we protect this revelation and we get this revelation and we grow in this revelation, it becomes powerful because it means your identity is strengthening in the reality of God's love. Everything about your identity in Christ has to be rooted in the love of God because then your identity becomes blessed. All right, let's have a look at point number two. So God loves his children. Number two, God encourages his children. We talked about this scripture in Joshua to start with, but I wanted to reiterate again the reality of God's encouragement towards his children. And God is quick to encourage his children. God encouraged, we look at the examples of the Bible, God encouraged Moses at the burning bush where he told him to deliver the nation of Israel. He encouraged Moses. Moses was someone who doubted himself. He was hindered in his ability not to to kind of be articulate. He was someone who stumbled in his speech. And God said to him, I have a mission for you. I have a calling for you where you're going to actually articulate to the Pharaoh to let my people go. You're going to represent me. And Moses was standing before God in uh, the inability for him to see his strengths, to see his potential. And so the heartbeat of God is to encourage his children. He encouraged Moses. He encouraged Joshua. As Joshua set out to conquer the promised land, he encouraged him with these words. We're going to read the scripture again. He encouraged him with these words, his presence, and with his assistance. Joshua 1, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Can I tell you that that particular scripture in Joshua 1.9, if you're ever feeling discouraged, go to Joshua 1.9 and keep decreeing it out over your life. Keep praying it out. Keep speaking it out. I mean, just think about this. Let me do it three times. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, sometimes repetition is powerful. Can I tell you why? Because the enemy... That dark spirit that sometimes comes around our lives to steal, kill, or destroy the good things in our life that God's trying to build up. He will repeatedly try to tell you lies. He'll repeatedly try to whisper into your ear things that would try to negate the plans and purposes of God in your life. And so one of the best ways to deal with that uh, and rebuke that repetitive thing is to use the Word of God as your two-edged sword and to keep repeating the Word of God back to those thoughts that would try to fight against the truth of God. Can I tell you, repetition, and the encouragement of God and the heartbeat of God that God wants to repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly strengthen you. And he wants to keep saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And so when we think about the perfect father, the ultimate father, that he's a, a great encourager. I think this is powerful because I think sometimes when we experience maybe imperfect fatherhood, or as fathers, we practice sometimes imperfect fatherhood. This is a great example for us to look at. Because sometimes we can sow discouragement. Sometimes we can sow criticism. Now, when I say criticism, I'm not talking about correction. That's a different thing. Actually, some healthy thing. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Correction can be a good thing from a father. But criticism, inappropriate, unnecessary criticism, the the repetitive focus on what's not right, the competitive focus on what's not perfect, the discouraging focus isn't healthy. And the ultimate father, the perfect father, is a spirit that encourages, that builds up, that strengthens, that releases courage within people's hearts. And so if you're feeling ever discouraged, if you're feeling like you need to be encouraged, the ultimate source of that encouragement needs to be your Father in heaven. Come on now. And going into the Word of God, going to the presence of God. Now, this may not be rocket science, but I feel like there are some people here today that need to be reminded of this. Because, I, you know, Sarah and I have been watching this documentary recently where it talks about the statistics where so many people are addicted to seeking encouragement from social media. And what they don't realize is, is that they're becoming addicted to it because the brain actually starts to get stimulated by every time you go to this and you look for the latest text message, you look for the latest email, you look for the latest notification of how many people have liked your photo or what have you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm cool with social media. I use it. I think there's some fun about it, right? So we don't want to get weird or religious, lock ourselves in a room and go, ew, we're never going to be in social media. We're not going to, we're never going to interact with the world ever again because we're followers of Jesus. Everyone say weird. Yeah, no, Jesus is not calling us to be weird, right? But he is calling us to be wise. And right now, Sarah and I are in a season where we are deliberately and intentionally making sure that we place a lot more emphasis on seeking our encouragement and our validity in life from the Father, from the Word of God. Because even ourselves, we've noticed lately we've fallen into the trap of, of kind of getting into the patterns of the world, whether it be social media, whether it be a sense of status, whether it be a sense of achievement. Now, God, I think, wants good things in our lives. Again, not, slow, not get religious, but it's about the balance of our heart. It's about understand, under, uh, discerning and understanding what really is the things that our, that our heart needs. And I think the research right now says that there actually is a chemical that gets released in your brain every time you get the latest little notification or instant message because actually there is a need. You are created for connection. You are created to want constant encouragement. You are created to receive consistent courage. 
And the thing about social media is in micro little kind of data forms, it delivers that and it delivers it quite effectively. Ping! <laughs> Someone's thinking about me. Someone likes me. Who is it? A text message from, oh, that's nice. I reply, emoji, emoji. <laughs> right? And uh, they call it the thumb scroll <laughs> addictive or addiction, right? Sarah called me, while we were watching this documentary the other night, Sarah called me out on it because I had my phone and I did this to my emails, you know, refresh, right, just to check, right, connecting, refresh, no new emails, okay, I put my phone down. Three minutes later, I pick my phone up, just subconsciously, not even thinking, pick my phone up, while we're watching a documentary on this whole theme, not being healthy, and I went, and she went, what are you doing? I said, what? She went, what are you doing? And I said, oh, um, I'm, I'm just checking my emails. She said, yeah, you just did that three minutes ago. Like, how many more emails do you expect coming into your inbox at like 10 to 10 at night within three minutes? Like, seriously, get over yourself. <laughs> Praise God for awesome wives, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so she was like, and we're watching a documentary on why we shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, yeah, good thought. So I actually turned my phone off and I threw it. <laughs> uh, I tell you, in this season, I believe God's declaring to us that He is the ultimate source of encouragement. He is the one that's going to, you know, if you're feeling despondent, if you need some, some filling up, some boosting, some topping up, whatever it is, come on now, let's get a fresh revelation. He's the one that you need to go to. And can I say this? Use the power of repetition. Don't just go once. Don't just go twice. But build it in as a habit because the, the, the river of joy will start flowing again in your life. You'll start to, again, be attracted to reconnecting with God. Instead of scrolling with your thumb, I feel like God's saying, come on, even in our thought life, on a daily, as we're going to work, as we're going to university, as we're going to the schools, as we're going to our businesses, as we're in our homes with our children, whatever it is, that our thought life should be doing this. Oh, God, tell me, remind me again. Yes, your scripture says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh God, remind me, yes, that's right, that I am the head and not the tail. I thank you, God. Come on now, every time we, we go to a, a source of data to kind of get a little stimulus about, oh, has someone thought about me? Has someone got, got something for me? Has something come through? Have I got a response? Ultimately, what that means is your, your, your identity is crying out saying, you actually need stimulus. You need constant encouragement. You need to always be told and reaffirmed and, 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 and encouraged. But ultimately, we've got to make sure we're plugging into the right source. And I feel like God's saying that even through the, these documentaries and these, that we're awakening to the fact that some of the things called technology that we, we feel are designed to give us benefit could ultimately set a trap for a seeking after the stimulus that's not really going to fulfill us. Don't underestimate right now how critical it is for you to learn how to switch off from... Technology. There was a, a post by Dr. Carolyn O'Leaf, who is a trained psychologist. She's got uh, degrees in science, and she's a, a powerful woman of God, and she has an amazing ministry where she speaks in churches, but she also speaks in secular areas through her background. And she just posted something recently on social media, funny enough. But she posted, she said, there's a distinct difference between having just your surface level uh, time with kind of social media, what we call escape, versus actually switching this off and actually having a time of mindfulness. And mindfulness actually is spending mindful time, spending deliberate time in the Word, in the presence of God, and switching off from these things that you can see and actually closing your eyes and being in the Spirit with the things of God, with the Father heart of God, speaking into you and reading the Word of God. And spending that time where you're connected to the reality of God and being disconnected from, from everything around you. And so I believe that this is a time where God's saying, hey, do you know how much I am about encouraging you? And so we know that these scriptures here reiterate this. Number three, let's have a look at point number three. Number three, God disciplines 
his children. I know this is everyone's favorite point out of the three, right? You're right. Yes, I love that he's highlighted this. This is my favorite. (laughs) God loves his children. God encourages his children. But being the perfect father, the ultimate father, God disciplines his children. Before we uh, lock this one in, I just wanted to tell a little story around the encouragement piece for a second. Uh, You know, when you think about uh, even earthly father's examples, uh, every day I tell Zara and Savannah, I mean, Savannah's still learning English, but she gets it. But now that Zara's four turning five, every day I tell my daughters how beautiful they are. And I don't just highlight their beauty physically, but I, I speak into their, I say, you're beautiful inside and out. You're kind, you're generous. God loves you. Daddy loves you. Mummy loves you. And I always tell them every single day, deliberately, and I tell them quite a few times how much they're loved, how beautiful they are. And last night we were at an engagement party and I was watching Zara and she is just, she's, we're out in this backyard with this, you know, kind of a clothesline, you know, the, the older style one where it has the, the big metal pole with the, the windy wheel and you wind it up. And, the, and she's, the, there's music on and there's only adults, there's not many children, but there's, you know, a few kids around and, and she's just dancing around, you know, she's dancing around the whole thing and she's grabbing the pole, she's dancing around, she's doing flips and she walks up to this table of complete strangers to her, doesn't know them, just sits down says, hi, how are you going? You having a good time? <laughs> and Sarah and I were driving home for the party and we're just talking. We said, wow, our four-year-old is, she's confident. She's grounded. She's, she's bold. Uh, how blessed are we? And we just reflected on how God ultimately is always encouraging us to encourage our children, encourage them, encourage them. And I want to say this to you. Maybe you're here today and you never received that consistent encouragement from your parents, from your family. But that's why it's so critical to build a solid relationship with your Father in heaven. And the Word of God will teach you how to do that, to be in communion with your Father, to go into the Word, to to have a time of prayer, But the most practical thing I believe that you can do is to learn to switch off the other things that would try to distract you and actually to deliberately go into that place of meditation time with the Lord. Because I know that you're going to be more grounded, you're going to have more authority, you're going to have more boldness, you're going to have more confidence in making decisions, you're going to have a greater ability to be a person of influence who steps towards humanity and doesn't double think and think, well, are they going to like me? Aren't they going to like me? Are they going to judge me? Maybe they won't like my personality. Maybe this, maybe that. No, God's saying, I'm breaking people out of that. As you come towards me as the source of encouragement, I'm going to strengthen your identity where you're going to have the boldness to be the influencer. And not everyone's designed to have the personality. There's a personality qualities of Zara that makes her a little bit bolder. But can I tell you, there are plenty of bold people around who are dysfunctional, So they step out in their personality of boldness, but there's still such a lack of confidence because maybe they haven't had that that affirmation growing up. And so there's a dysfunction with their boldness. And so it's not about personality. It's actually about that inner identity. And God wants you to know afresh today that His ultimate heart is to strengthen and encourage and solidify and nurture the internal identity within you because that's that's the launching pad of everything that you do and how you interact with the world around you. He's an encourager. So I, I, I'm praying right now that your appetite for the things of God, that your appetite to actually want to spend time with God alone with Him in an intimate way, that your appetite for that would start to grow because you'll be richly rewarded. Seek after the Father. Knock at that door and that door will be open to you. But number three, God disciplines his children. And I think, again, when we get the right revelation around his motivation for disciplining us, man, it can be refreshing and rewarding. 
And so if we have uh, a look at this, God is good, he's a loving father, yet he disciplines his children. He does not discipline in spite of his goodness, he disciplines because of his goodness. He does not discipline in spite of his love, he disciplines because of his love. So we'll have a look at these uh, two scriptures. We'll start with Deuteronomy 8.5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. So we know that the father type of relationship is that he wants to create boundaries because he wants to protect. But he also wants to make sure that there's order. He wants to make sure that you're being raised in a way where you're going to actually be blessed and you're going to be raised in a way where you, you might learn from mistakes, but you're not going to be absolutely destroyed by those mistakes. In Proverbs 3.12, it says, The Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. So because He delights in you, and, and when we see son, it also means daughter. He delights in you. He delights in who you are. And so He wants to discipline you because He wants you to become everything that you're called to be, to come into the fullness of your potential. Now, I know when I think about little Zara and Savannah, I mean, Savannah's still just a, a baby. So it's like, you know, I don't really think we've had to discipline her at all yet. Praise Jesus. Uh, but little Zara, she loves to push the boundaries. She's a boundary pusher. And um, we know that if we don't appropriately discipline her, we're actually going to be hindering her life. And because we love her, we want to appropriately discipline her. Uh, you know, there are times when, you know, Zara wants something. And so she'll repeatedly ask for it. And we're in a little season right now where mommy and daddy will say, uh, no, Zara, uh, no, you can't have a treat. You've already had one. You can have one this afternoon, but you've already had one this morning, so no, you can't have another treat. And uh, so she'll push the boundaries. So, I mean, so she'll just go, but I want a treat. So I, I really want, I want to have a treat now, mummy and daddy. I, I want to have a treat. So can I have a treat? Uh, no, Zara, we've said that you can't have a treat. And so sometimes this escalates. Poor Zara, she's going to listen back on these sermons when she's 16. She's just going, Dad, seriously. So sometimes it escalates and she'll... Uh, She's got a lot of rhythm, actually. She's very good at dancing. Uh, but also with her rhythm, she's good at stomping. <laughs> and we have wooden floors in our house. So sometimes I push the boundary. She'll go, uh, right? I really want one, she says. I understand that, but you're not having one. Okay, so well, we need you to sit down, and you can have some water, you can have some fruit. No! I want a drink. And so it starts to escalate. And so then we highlight, okay, well, if you continue this, this is, this is not the right attitude. Um, you're not listening, and you're starting to not obey. So you need to be okay with no Zara, right? So we start quite civilized, right? We don't want to escalate it too quickly because we, we don't want to teach our daughter that you just escalate things too quickly because going from zero to nine in anger is never fruitful, right? <laughs> so we calmly say, well, no, Zara, um, you, we've said no a couple of times. Okay, we're not having a debate here. You need to accept no. No, no, no. Okay, this is inappropriate. What do you think we're gonna what do you think we're gonna have to do now, Zara? I don't care. <laughs> I want a treat. Well, this this is this attitude is uh, not appropriate. We, we might have to look at time out, hey? No, I don't wanna go, Mama. <laughs> I want a treat, I want a treat, I want a treat. And then obviously it escalates to the point where we realize if we don't actually follow through with what we said we were going to do, we're going to teach her the wrong thing, right? So, okay, okay, it's time for timeout. Take her out to timeout. She doesn't like it. Sometimes in timeout, she plays music on the floor with her feet, very loud like drums. <coughs> Walk in. Um, the more that you make that noise and you're rebellious during timeout, the longer you're going to stay in timeout. So it's your choice. So you can either make the right choice and you can behave, and then you can come out of timeout more quickly, or you can make the wrong choice, and you can continue playing drums with your feet on the floor really loudly, and then you're gonna take, stay in timeout longer. What choice are you gonna make? And sometimes, she's like, okay. Sometimes, 
the key here is this, is that if we don't set these boundaries and if we don't appropriately discipline her, she will become unruly. What does unruly mean? Not being able to follow any rules, not just in a household, but in life. And who knows that when you can't follow rules in life, it all goes pear-shaped. If you can't follow rules or procedures or policies or authority in the workplace, do you think you have a fruitful outcome in the workplace? Who knows if you can't follow? A lot of times kids want to lead. They just want to do their own thing. I want to lead my own life. I want to do what I want. As teenagers, we want to be adults too quickly, don't we, Zach? Oh, you don't understand, Mum and Dad. You don't know what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> I'm hearing a couple of amens, laughs, nervous, nervous laughter at the back from the teenagers. <laughs> so we get this, but let's appropriate it to our own relationship with God, right? Let's have a look at this next scripture. Hebrews 12, 10, 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Now, what does the word holiness mean? It means whole. When you think about coming into the fullness of your potential, something that's full, it's not warped, it's not broken, it's not hindered, it's not fractured. It's coming to its fullness and to its full potential, to its full calling, and to its full destiny, into the fullness of the image made in God. It means it's being made whole, it's being perfected. And a key ingredient for that journey of us to come into the fullness, the wholeness, connected to the holiness of God is discipline. Boundaries. Narrow pathways where we have to learn to walk or follow or flow, not be unruly, but to flow with rules, to flow with principles, to flow with certain boundaries and then we're going to become more fruitful. We're going to become more whole. We're going to come into the fullness of our potential. Now, if God ultimately loves us and encourages us, obviously he wants us to come into our full potential. The heartbeat of God is to see you come into your absolute richest potential. And one of the ingredients he has to apply in order for that to happen is discipline. And so therefore... When we have this revelation of the pure motive of God, of why does he discipline us? Because he wants us to come into the fullness of potential and helps us. No discipline seems, I love this, this is a reality check. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Who here knows that discipline can be painful? Very painful, right? Annoying, frustrating. I don't like this painful at the time oh can i tell you i was in pain yesterday morning where's my brother cody is he here hey brother let's give cody a round of applause different form of discipline but he was giving me physical discipline <laughs> not directly but indirectly he took me through a pt session where i was running up my hill which is actually like this. <laughs> I had to run, I had to sprint up it, and then I had to do lunges and squats on the way back down the hill. And uh, I was in pain. And Cody could see it, but Cody loves me. He's like, what's the best for me? He wants me to go from a bit of a wobbling pudding <laughs> to a very stern, ironboard cladded fashion man. <laughs> he loves me. He wants me to come into my full potential. So he applied discipline. But actually, with that discipline was a spirit of encouragement. And I think this is the key. 
when you embrace the discipline of God, when you look at the word of God and look at the boundaries, God actually applies boundaries. He gives us principles. He encourages us to do these things and not to do these things. But because he loves us. Because he knows that if we can flow within those principles, it actually will accelerate the fullness of our potential coming. This is why when people have a vision, they're able to be more in restraint. When you have a reason why, when you know that you have potential, that there's something in the future about your identity and your walk that God wants to develop and what you're called to do and who you're called to influence. And it's not just about you, but it's about developing and imparting into others and you need to grow it a certain way to be able to step into that and when you have a clarity of vision of where you're going and 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 who who god is and 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 what who god is fashioning you to be when you when you get clarity of that vision and you get that sense of purpose then with that you're able to cast off restraint you're able to say no to these things you're able to say yes to these things because you know if you flow with the principles with the laws of god that that's going to quicken your ability to come into your potential. So when people catch the vision of where God has taken them and why God has taken them there and his motive is love, it gives you the ability to cast or to, to, to have restraint. But where people don't have a vision, when they don't have a revelation of where God's taken them, when they don't have a clear vision or maybe they become confused or maybe they become a little bit despondent and they think, oh, What's the point of all this again? Why should I live disciplined? Why should I live principled? Why should I allow the word of God to discipline me? Well, ultimately because you'll be rewarded. But when you lose revelation of that, the fruitfulness that comes from the discipline of God, it says where people don't have a vision, they perish. Another version says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. They throw away the boundaries. They think, what's the point of following this? What's the point of staying within this boundary? Why do I have to always follow the principles of God? It's too hard. Well, it was hard running up that hill. It was hard. I did not like it. I wasn't running. Hey? Shh. <laughs> Don't tell him that. Greg said, it was just the top of the hill. That's right. That's a very steep hill. I know. This guy runs 6K a day. He's run a couple of marathons. Yeah. You're a whole other league, right? This guy is amazing. I mean, he turns, officially turns 60 in what, two days? Tuesday. And he looks like maybe six months older than me. <laughs> Right? I could have gone too far and said you look younger, but I thought, no. <laughs> I was that very encouraging. <laughs> so the point here is that, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy that run, even though it was just at the top of the hill. But it was good for me. Right? And even Cody, Brother Cody, to illustrate that discipline and encouragement and love all actually uh, flows together when we would talk about the example of, of God. You okay if I read this text, brother, you sent me this morning? So Cody sends me this text. Good morning, Brad. Just wanted to send you a message of encouragement. You blew me away yesterday with your hill sprints. So amazing, and I'm super happy to be able to watch you transform your physical body on this hard journey. Bless you, bro, and happy Father's Day, champ. Right? What I love about this is... He understands it's a hard journey, right? So he hasn't got this lack of reality. You know, oh, come on, Brad, it's easy. Well, no, he saw the pain on my face. <laughs> you could hear the strain in my lungs, <laughs> right? So he knows it's hard. And yet he sent me this, he's encouraging, and ultimately he wants me to come into the transformation, right, into my potential. And that reflects the Father heart of God. Love, encouragement, but also balance with discipline. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And again, that word righteousness means right with God. And again, we confuse this. Sometimes it means we become perfect. Well, he's perfecting us, but righteousness means coming into the fullness of relationship with God, that when we're in covenant with God, it means that we're fruitful, that the promises of God start manifesting because we're connected to the vine and the vine is connected to us and we become fruitful. So when we actually stay within the boundaries of the vine and we stay connected to the heartbeat of God and we understand that if we have a vision, we have these principles that later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained, 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 disciplined, trained by it. I'm just going to uh, send a message to the stewards that they can invite the kids to come. So God disciplines his children. Let's look at this last slide. We're summarized now as we come to a close. The perfect father. Everyone say, God loves his children. Thank you, Stephen. That was a good echo. I love that. Just lock that in for everyone. That was awesome. Number two, God encourages his children. Everyone say that. Number three, God disciplines his children. Now watch this. All three, all three you need and want. All three. All three. And this is, this is what I love. When you actually want all three because you know how good all three are, it means that you position yourself to actually have a deeper relationship with God. Let's face it, sometimes we only want one of them. And because we only want one of them, we only tend to kind of tap into God. We'll only read certain scriptures. You know, the ones that reiterate how much he loves us, but we won't reiterate the ones that discipline us. And so sometimes we can shortchange our relationship with God because we're not necessarily willing or not necessarily understanding how we can fully embrace the benefits of having a true relationship, a deeper relationship with the Father. Let's just close our eyes and ask some instrumentalists to come. Close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, on this special day of Father's Day. Lord, this is a day designed to honor the people in our lives who are sometimes called to fight for us, to protect us, to provide for us, to help us. But Lord, sometimes the earthly examples aren't always perfect. But today we acknowledge that you are the perfect example of a father and that you love us. You lean in towards us even when we lean away. Lord, you encourage us always. You're always affirming us. You're the ultimate source, not social media, not Facebook, not the three or 50 or 70 likes on our Instagram photos. But Lord, the sweet whispers of your spirit and the the sweet affirmation of your word, when it gets into our heart, Lord, Lord, that's the internal encouragement that can strengthen us more than anything in the world has to offer. And I thank you, Lord, because you ultimately love us, Lord, you create the boundaries, you create the discipline for us to be made fruitful, to be made whole, to come into the fullness of our potential. Lord, we ask that you would release revelation this morning of the Father's heart. Lord, release that revelation and release an impartation, God, of the Father's heart. Let it sweep through this place. 
Let it bring confidence. Let it bring peace. Let it bring protection. Lord, release a fresh covering upon your people. Cover us, Lord. Protect us, God. Help us. Strengthen us. We love you, Jesus. We honor you today. You are the perfect Father. You are the ultimate Father. And we give you all the praise. And we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Let's give him some praise with our hands. And as we do that, I think we have a special treat. Sarah, do you want to come? Yeah, we're going to ask all the dads to stand. Every dad to stand. So what our kids have been doing in Kids Church is they've been making a gift for all of our dads. Thank you, darling. Beautiful jar of lollies. It's called Dad Stash with a little moustache. Who loves our kids? Hey, thanks, kids. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Awesome. Let's give our kids some encouragement. Come on. I think we've still got some dads who are standing. If you've, if you've got your gift, I'll get you to sit down just so we know if there's anyone who's still waiting. <laughs> awesome. We're going to distribute them now. Cool. What we're going to do is let's just finish our service by praying over our dads and then we'll open up the cafe. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of our fathers, our grandfathers, our uncles, Lord, even our spiritual fathers, our spiritual mentors, Lord, even our fathers that are not here, maybe they're in another church or they're visiting somewhere else, even our dads that have gone to be with you in heaven, Lord, we lift up all of every single representation of our fathers. And we thank you, God, that you as the ultimate father, that you love them and that you would release a new, uh, just a new mantle of encouragement into them. Lord, strengthen our fathers. Lord, flow into them. Pour into our fathers, Lord, that we, we honor them today. Lord, they are needed in our society. We need their strength. We need their bravery. We need their example. We need their fight. We need their protection, God. Lord, we love our fathers. We honor fatherhood here today. We thank you, Lord, you pour a fresh blessing upon all the people that represent fatherhood in this place and beyond. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, well, happy Father's Day, everyone. We're going to open up the cafe, burgers and fries for everyone, complimentary. So enjoy that. Don't forget to invite your dad to go and enjoy his burger and fries. Have a great rest of your day. Happy Father's Day again to everyone. We'll see you next Sunday.